And the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Back on the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017 thehammercom Sorry, uh, we had a problem connecting with uh, uh, Tom Deanhart. Hopefully, if we get this thing worked out, uh, we'll be able to sneak him on into the uh, program here. But uh, as of right now, still, uh, we're working on getting him uh, on the line here, but uh, we'll see what happens. All right. So uh, I think this is good news today, and I don't like saying this about Notre Dame, but look, reports now are that he is more than likely going to be the new head coach at Notre Dame, at 35 nonetheless. Good for him. I mean, his rise through the coaching ranks of what he's been able to do in around, what, like eight, ten years or so has been really amazing. Uh, hold on a second here. I believe we got uh, Tom Deanhart on the line with us here. Hey, Tom, how you doing? All right, buddy. All right. How you doing? Okay. And we're doing all right here. We're live right now. We were just talking about, um, you know, Marcus Freeman uh, potentially being named the uh, Notre Dame head coach here. And I was just uh, talking how remarkable it is, how quickly he has risen through the ranks. And at 35, looks to be taking over one of, uh, you know, college football's blue blood franchises here in Notre Dame football. I know he's a great guy. I 100% think he deserves this as well. But, I mean, you got you can't help but be impressed with his career trajectory and how he's navigated all the way from being here under Daryl Hazel to now the head man at Notre Dame. Well, he's going to get the job in South Bend. Um, Tommy Rees is going to stay as offensive coordinator. Yeah, Marcus is only 35. Tommy Rees is 29. And you're right, um, you know, he helped he sort of cut his teeth to a degree at Purdue when he's on Daryl Hazel's staff. Of course, Marcus played at Ohio State under Jim Trestle. So, yeah, he's risen quickly. Good for him. Uh, just a bright young mind, dynamic recruiter, uh, a guy obviously Notre Dame did not want to lose. You know, he's going to have options and um, shows you how much they think of the kid. He is a kid. He's 35. <laughs> give him the reins of one of you know college football's most glorious programs. So I'm not a big Notre Dame fan, but I tell you, with Marcus Freeman coaching them, uh, I may find it a little bit easier to to, to see, uh, enjoy those the times when they do do well. well. I'll tell you what, not only do we not, I mean, we know how great of a guy that he is, but like to have a program with the resources that Notre Dame does, to see the amount of players, to see especially the alumni and the donors, that allegedly were calling and saying, this is the guy, this is the guy. Uh, when you have that program right there, you could have a, a pretty darn good choice of just about anybody you want in America, right, Tom? And the, oh, fact yeah. that they, the fact that they all chimed in and said, hey, no, 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 this is the guy right here, I think really says something. Yeah, I mean, you never want to get talked into by others uh, hiring somebody. Jack Swarbrick, the AD, they're obviously a felt good about the guy. I'm not sure Jack's going to get talked into it by anybody, but I know money talks, and if big boosters want a guy, they're going to have some some type of influence. But you know, long story short, the administration in South Bend thought Marcus, he's ready for this opportunity. And, yeah, it does come with some risk. I mean, let's be honest. Um, again, like I said, never been a head coach. He's awfully young. He was just at Cincinnati last year when we went to South Bend. And, um, you know, we've seen a lot of guys without head coaching experience do well, but there's always that element of risk. Mm-hmm. And, um, but who knows? Like I said, Notre Dame is a place that's special. 
and uh, we'll see if uh, Freeman can keep it rolling up there. And it's kind of funny, maybe uh, maybe this time next week, Marcus Freeman's coaching the college football playoff team because there's still a chance the Fighting Irish get one of those four bids here, depending on how things fall this weekend. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about possibly cheering for Notre Dame to make it into the college football playoff despite Brian Kelly in, in four. Um, Marcus, I, that, that would be a lot of conflicting feelings right there. I don't know if I'm necessarily on board with that, but uh, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But, you know, Tom, uh, Purdue football, the regular season is wrapped up. You know, they're not playing in Indianapolis this weekend, although, you know, at one point we were talking about the serious possibility of them uh, being in contention to be playing in Indianapolis this weekend. Uh, they'll sit back and, and they'll look for a uh, a bowl game spot. You know, obviously somebody's going to come calling. They're an attractive team with the offense and everything too. Uh, when you are look back on this season, give me you know one or two things that really stood out to you uh, when we talked about Purdue football this year. I think you got to start with the defense, right? Yeah. Uh, the total redo of that unit, entirely new staff, um, the import of players from the transfer portal that played big roles as well. Um, George Karloftis living up to his star power. I mean, there, there were questions about that unit going in, but they, 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 they checked most every box. Played much better than I think anybody could have expected. From start to finish, they had a few hiccups. I mean, Ohio State's going to make a lot of people look bad. But by and large, that defense played well from Oregon State all the way to Indiana. And uh, that's that, that's the one thing that stands out. Then obviously the Aiden O'Connell story emerging the last eight games of the year. Um, had that not happened, who knows? Because Jerry, we remember how that offense was sort of sputtering along there, yeah, scoring 13 points four times in five games. And O'Connell comes in and and boy, uh, just energizes that offense from a passing standpoint. Obviously, so those two things are the big ones. And um, yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, we we saw the All Big Ten teams come out this week, Jared. I just posted my three two one column for this week, and I'll be honest with you. I think Purdue sort of got shafted to a degree for being eight and four, and the number of uh, the number of honorees they had uh, with upper level recognition, I think, was was substandard. They only had two first team picks, right, Karloftis and Bell. Mm-hmm. Only one one second team pick on offense or defense, Aiden O'Connell. That's it. No, nobody on the third team, and they had honorable mention guys. I think Purdue should add a few more second and third team picks, especially on defense. Jalen Graham, Jalen Alexander in particular, Branson Dean, I thought made a case to at least be a third team All-Big Ten for crying out loud. I know it's not a big deal, but I, I just thought that the, the, the defense in particular deserved a little bit more recognition. And, and Jared, too, I'd like your, your opinion on this news item of the week, right? Tuesday, Jack Plummer tweets out he's going in the portal. Yeah. What, what's that tell you? Well, I asked the same question to Brian Newbert yesterday. I said, does that mean that Aiden O'Connell is coming back? Because obviously, uh, if Aiden was not coming back, you would think that, hey, maybe he stays here, continues to work, and feels like, yeah, I don't have to, I, I can have that starting job over a, a Michael Limo or, or uh, you know, uh, an Austin Burton. Uh, he feels like he could do that, but but he's out. Now, Brian says he doesn't think there's any correlation uh, with that, but i, I got to think that 
O'Connell is coming back. You know, I, I think the, the, the way the season played out, boy, I, I almost got to think that he's close enough to where there's probably some NFL scouts that would think about with his arm and the way that he played down the stretch that maybe he might be a little bit worth of a, a risk in a late round. Or, uh, I mean, his phone would be, I, I would think, ringing off the hook as an undrafted free agent. Uh, but, you know, maybe, maybe I'm, oh, maybe I'm being a little too optimistic about it. I think the kid comes back, he can play himself maybe into a mid round type of deal or, or, or even higher. I don't know what you think. You know more scouts than I do oh, about that stuff. I think, I, I, I think there is something to be said. If, 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 O'Connell, if O'Connell wasn't coming back, why, why, why would Plummer leave? I mean, does he have hurt feelings because he's lost a job a couple times and thinks the staff doesn't like him? I don't know. I mean, why wouldn't you want to stay and compete if you knew O'Connor wasn't going to be there? Again, I know you're not supposed to make assumptions in life, Jerry, because, well, you know what, you know what that can lead to, right? <laughs> yeah, well, but, you know, you know Brian, Brian brought up a good point, too. Is sometimes maybe you just need a change. He's lost that job how many times? It just hasn't, hasn't really kicked into gear. He's not a bad quarterback, but well, let's say the offense really hasn't had that flair with him at, at, at that position. Maybe he does want a fresh start. I will say this then, Jared. Plummer's gone. We know that for sure. In a O'Connell's gone too. That 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 becomes a, a real position of concern for the Boilermakers. Obviously, stating the obvious, right? Well, that, I mean, and Austin Burton could leave too, right? Because uh, he yeah, he has yeah. one more year of eligibility. But if you lost all three of those, then oh boy, here we go. I don't think stay or come or go. I don't think Austin Burton's your number one quarterback, regardless. No. And Brady Allen comes in in January. He, he's not going to be ready. I think he's going to be a special player, but he's not going to be ready. And this Michael Lamo will be a redshirt sophomore. Obviously, you got to go to the portal. So, again, a lot of drama here, at least maybe, maybe it's drama on manufacturing. But I'll just say a real fascinating position to watch, okay? Mm-hmm. Quarterback. It always is. And, and the intrigue with O'Connell's decision looming out there makes it more intriguing. So, that's something that's going to be a storyline to watch. When will O'Connell announce? Who knows, Jared? I asked him point blank after the IU game about this decision, and obviously he said it's kind of a wait and see deal for him right now. So we'll see uh, uh, when when he makes some proclamation on his 2022 status. We'll see you there, but that's that's going to be a fun storyline in the bowl too, right? Yeah. Sunday we'll find out. Las Vegas pinstripe guaranteed rate Music City maybe Outback Bowl. Uh, I mean, those seem like the four most likely spots. Uh, Do you have a sense either way? Are you hearing <laughs> no, anything? None, no, none. I, I haven't made any phone calls. I have no idea. Um, if, if you were to make me the matchmaker, I'd like to see Purdue play UCLA in Las Vegas. Chip Kelly versus Jeff Brom would be fun. Yep. How about, how, about, how about this? How about Mike Leach versus Jeff Brom in Music City Bowl? Ooh. <laughs> there we go. What's, what's the over? Take the over, double it, and let's go. I know they're not two marquee schools, Mississippi State and Purdue. They're not going to draw a lot of eyeballs. They're not the blue bloods. But, boy, the, uh, it could be a fun game uh, just with those offense and those two coaches. That'd be a fun one. Uh, you know, people don't think Purdue would go back to Music City Bowl. I don't know. It can happen, Jared. What do you mean go back? We never played there. We've never gone down to Nashville before. <laughs> that was just a bad dream, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't think that ever really existed. How about, how about, how about like, I, I think you had, if, ten, if they put Tennessee or Arkansas in there, it doesn't matter who the Big Ten team is. Those, those Tennessee and Arkansas fans would buy every ticket just because there's a lot of excitement around both those programs with new coaches. Yeah. Purdue, Tennessee would be fun. Purdue, Arkansas. Uh, how about Purdue, LSU? Brian Kelly plays 
coaches against Purdue a second time. <laughs> Wouldn't that be crazy? That would be uh, that would be something. Uh, tell, That'd be crazy. Let me ask you because this is this has been in vogue over the last several years. Players that are going into the NFL draft that are sitting out the bowl games. Yeah. Is that something that you could anticipate happening for Purdue? Obviously, the two likely candidates, George Karloftis, David Bell. I know neither one of them has declared, but you got to think George is almost a lock. He can't improve his, his stock any more than it is right now. David Bell could maybe play himself up a little bit more, but... Uh, I think that's uh, that's an awfully big risk because of I, I think the knocks on him are what the speed and I don't think he's gonna you know shave another two or three tenths off his forty time you know if he comes back for one more season to make a big difference. So uh, have you heard any bumblings about maybe somebody sitting out and getting ready for the NFL draft for Purdue? Uh, I have not, but you know the haze in the barn as they like to say uh, one one bowl game is not gonna make or break your draft stock. Um, there's nothing to be gained by either of those two guys playing in that game. So only it could be a – I mean, you, you always want to play for your school. If you want to get corny about it and shake your pom-pom and wave your pennant and say, hey, i got to win one for Old State U, my old alma mater. But is it really worth it? I just – we're seeing the trend where these guys are making business decisions. That's what it is, like it or not. Uh-huh. I don't care who you are. If that's your son, he has millions of dollars on the line. To have him go out and play in a, what's essentially a meaningless exhibition game and risk injury makes absolutely no sense. So I don't begrudge the guys if they don't want to play. I get it. I'd probably do the same thing. Some fans still let it bother him for some reason. Coaches try to try to shame players who don't play. You're not. You're letting your teammates down. We're seeing coaches ditch their players left and right with these jobs they're chasing. So, hey, man, it's everybody for themselves, right? That's what it seems like these days. That's why the rules favor it, right? I mean, you can go, hey, show up at 7 a.m., I'm out of here in two minutes, and, you know, I'm, I'm hitting the door. Although I still don't know what people wanted out of Brian Kelly for that. I mean, everybody knows know. what the score is. So what, what do you expect them yeah. to say? Hey, thanks for the ride. It's been great. Yeah. I wish you guys all the best. Uh, I'm going to go get paid. You guys will do the exact same thing. So see you later. It's always hard to get divorced. And, uh, and yeah. it's, just, it's always messy. It's always messy. And for people to rip Kelly for it, it's never easy. There's never a good time for this. So just get over Everyone needs to get over it and move on. Yeah, I can't, can't be a child we're, about we're, it. We're, we're, we're all mercenaries to a degree, I guess. Uh, you, know, you want to be all for the good, all for the welfare of others, too. But this is, this is about professionalism and making money. But, draw business decisions. And players got to make business decisions. And what will Carl Office and Bell do? I have no idea. Um, but... Like I said, if it was me, I wouldn't play. The NCAA could could remedy all this stuff with uh, the, the windows on when you could do the recruiting and all that stuff, because that's why they're getting into it so early now, right? Because they need to hurry up and, and get the stuff started, because if you're going to the end of December without a head coach, you're, you're in a, a world of hurt all of a sudden. And, uh, you know, if they just – it's hard to make it a season, right, where, hey, we're in the offseason, now's the time you can start hiring guys because you know there are always going to be tomfoolery and stuff behind the behind the scenes, so you just can't mandate it like that. I think you just have to move the window for things to incentivize clubs to, to, to do more of this kind of stuff. And uh, Yeah, or, 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 or if you had an agreement, a rule where you couldn't – A gentleman's rule, perhaps? Well, it's just like, well, it's, it's the NFL Rooney rule, right, or whatever. The, not the Rooney rule, but it's the rule where you can't – take coaches you can't interview coaches during the season right yeah or until they're done and, with the uh, season until they're done and again that the big the college football obviously is fractured in their conferences and everybody's only worried about their own fight them 
And if there was one universal force, a commissioner or some alliance that, that wove all these power conferences together, they could come up with rules like that would, that would prevent guys from getting interviewed and leaving jobs before the season is over. So, you know, the early signing period, a lot of people are blaming that for the, the early trigger on these jobs, and I'm sure maybe that's part of it. But I'll tell you what, you know, if you want a guy, you can sacrifice a few recruits if you have to hire him a little bit late. In the transfer portal, you can make up lost ground the portal for one year if you need to, too. So there should be no rush to hire somebody just to meet a December 15th signing day, I don't think. And if you look at a lot of these schools, I know Oklahoma's losing guys, but LSU didn't have one guy decommit. So that's not everybody's going to jump ship either. So I don't know. You always want to find a scapegoat for, for, for what's going on. But uh, I think I think the early signing period may have its faults, but I hate to lay all the blame at its feet just for all these early uh, early coaching changes. I'm just trying to get one of these deals where a school buys me my home and my vacation home. I'm trying to get one of those Lincoln-Riley deals, man. <laughs> it's funny. You're, people will say, oh, I feel so sorry for that guy getting fired. You give me $10 million, and I don't even have to give me any sympathy. You won't hear from, you won't hear from me again, Jared. What, what, uh, some of the perks are ridiculous. What, didn't Jimbo Fisher down there at uh, A&M, doesn't he get uh, like free medical care for the rest of his life and stuff, too, through their hospital system? I mean, like some of the perks are just like, uh, of course I'm going to take that no. job. Come on. You can't, you, can't, uh, you can't hate on these guys for making that job. I, know. Well, I, just, I just think I, I just think what's gone out with what went on this last week. And before we saw Mel Tucker getting, what, almost $10 million a year, and I guess Kelly's going to get, what, six times, 10 Like nine and a half, yeah. I'm just telling you, what, what we just witnessed is a seismic change and totally changed the landscape of college athletics. And at some point, your player's going to get paid. Yeah. This, um, is, this, is, this is ridiculous. It's getting out of control year, now, yeah. Just last year in COVID, all these schools were crying poor. They were threatening to cut sports. They were furloughing people. We're not even 12 months removed from that. And they're, they've totally reset the bar for salaries to the stratosphere. Yeah. And you're telling me there's no money. It, 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 it's just a joke is what it is. And these players got to get theirs because it's ridiculous. And I think, you know, the, the sport may have done itself a big disservice for the way it's cannibalized in their coaches and, and the salaries. You know, they're starting to pay some of these guys. It's Tom, what they're, they're paying, what, half a million dollars or half a billion dollars, a B, a billion, half a billion dollars to coaches to not coach right now, collectively, a half a billion dollars. You, I, I was, I was never a proponent for paying these kids. I wanted them to get their NIL deals and stuff, be able to do that. But you're right. The way they keep on resetting this bar, and and, and they were crying poor and stuff. I'm, I'm starting to come around to the player side of things on this now. Oh, NIL is peanuts, Jared. It's, it's a, this. I don't know what's going to happen if the sport breaks away from the universities or what, but. Uh, these college teams, these programs support entire athletic departments. They're the, they're the only reason they exist. And um, for those players not to gain a, a larger share of that cut is ridiculous. Yep, I'm with you on that one, buddy. Tom Deanhart, GoldenBlack.com. By the way, GoldenBlack.com has a great sign-up offer if you are a new subscriber. Uh, what was it, uh, $20.21 for the full year, I believe, Alan had up there. That's an amazing deal. Uh, for what uh, both Brian, Tom, and, and, and Alan and company do over there. Uh, or, I absolutely Jared, or, or, or Jared, people can pay me a million dollars and then call me directly and I'll just talk to them about that. <laughs> uh, let's, we'll, we'll put that offer on the table there. If anybody wants to take advantage, you go right ahead. Tom <laughs> Deanhart, everybody. But it's always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, it's always great talking with you.
Take care, buddy. Take care, bud. All right, we got a break. We're going to come back. We're going to give you a chance to win those Purdue versus Iowa.